come say hi. Hi. Jo- Shane is the long has the longest uh, or the most amount of sobriety as far as years go that I know. Um, and she's lovely, and her art is excellent. And we are sitting here in Gowanus at her studio. Thank you for inviting me here, Joe. Oh, my pleasure. Um, so, not to set it up like a like a meeting or anything. Like I don't want you to do a qualification. Um, for those who do, don't know, a qualify a qualifier begins AA meetings. Speaker. A speaker, a speaker gives a qualification at the beginning of a meeting, which is like their whole story, like their rock bottom, et cetera, et cetera, and how awesome it is to be sober and how much the program is so helpful. (laughs) But anyway, Joe, do you want to, so first of all, how many years do you have? Ooh, I will have 18 years back. Oh, my God. In October, but I got sober in 84, so I had 16. And then I had a brief little moment where I had to reconvince myself. Right. So it was a minor relapse? It was, luckily. I had a family, so I didn't go out and start using hard drugs again like my fantasy life told me would happen yeah um but you know you had mentioned you were interested in sort of interface of being an artist and being in sobriety i I know there are a lot of us in the program but yeah my incident where i picked up again was really one where i was feeling less than in a context with people in the art world and it was kind of a mistake I was drinking uh, non-alcoholic wine, oops, uh-huh. and um, I picked up the wrong glass, and I was Classic. like... Classic. <laughs> Classic <was> mistake. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> well, why bother? Right? You yeah, know? it's already down the hatch. Like. Well, n- other times I've, you know, spat it out. I mean... Right, right. It was just a moment where... Where you're um, feeling at, like, it's a little bit of a rock bottom. Yeah. I've felt like insignificant in the art. It's alienating the art world and it's cruel and it's confusing and it's weird and it's elitist and I don't quite understand it, but perhaps you can shed more light on how it works. Um, I think if I could, I would probably be in a different <laughs> position today. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There are people who innately understand it. Yeah. And most of them are men. That's true. That is quite true. So uh, here <laughs> I've been, I came to New York in 75 so to cool. be in the Whitney program as an undergraduate, which, which there are very few, Whitney Independent Studies program. And um, so I have definitely been around the art world for a minute. Yeah. And it was a different art world back then. And it was definitely easier to understand, I think. But, and there was a strong sense of community, which really? was really amazing. Really? That's oh, yeah. so interesting. I mean, I stumbled onto the whole early Soho artist faction. Wow. You know, I worked at Paula Cooper. I worked for Kisonier, who just passed away. Jackie Windsor. I did demolition with Barry Ledoux. I was an art mover. I worked for Paula, as I said. And, um... 
So that community was there. Wow. Um, and you think it's not here? Any it, it diminished? I I think there are smaller communities. I mean, I'm uh-huh. feeling I've been feeling a sense of community, but it was so small. Right. Oh, okay. And so such a tight community you mm-hmm. know it, it's just it's really it was really different and right. and also the forces of the market just weren't there people you know were just dedicated artists uh-huh. um gordon Mata clark was a bit of the pied piper he opened food which was a communal situation of oh artists wow. cooking for each other and then it became a commercial entity but everything, ha- it was, you know. Yeah, just making art for the sake of making art, not really with the market in mind. You know, I feel like that, like, uh, promotes, like, better work, you know, when you j- are making it just because you need to make it, you know. I mean, for I think yourself. every artist kind of believes that in their heart. Like, right. why would you bother? But by the same token, I... I I don't know. I, when I think about what professional means in the art world, um, and it's something that, you know, has eluded me to a certain degree, I wonder if it has purposely, because not only do I not understand the coding and how to function within those parameters, but I'm not so sure how happy I'd be. Really? You know, with some, like, insane production schedule and huge expectations i mean by the same token i would love to have the um what is the word the i'll say ability but it's a bigger word um to to create the big projects that i want to create and that's kind of my next direction i see that as part of the post-art thing you make virtual you make virtual renderings of bigger product projects for for a larger audience larger audience um you know and also then you get monetized you don't produce really work i mean sure i love puttering around the studio and Mm -hmm. making work yeah that i want to make very um very instinctive kind of work but I don't, that work hasn't really brought any commercial resonance to my life. Um, and I don't right. know, you know, I'm just always evolving. I, I think a few years ago I had this epiphany about Andy Warhol saying the best art is the art of business. <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's time to get to view, view business as a creative endeavor. Uh-huh. Um, and I've been trying on lots of hats. Right. I feel like with COVID a lot of people have been getting creative with business you know like how am i going to make money um and it's i think it's super interesting to see what people can come up with you know uh i'm a big fan big supporter of small business owners and small businesses you are a small business i am and you're a small business owner you may you um have your jewelry line that's my latest endeavor. Yeah, many hats. Many hats, many aspirational hats. jewelry. Yeah, no, it's cool. Uh, I love that about you. 
thank you. I well, try, I'm trying to do the same. Maybe I'll start writing again. Who knows? I mean, in a way, it is. It is. It's the same as making art, you know. Yeah. But except that one project doesn't work, and then you're like, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, you sort of are, you're always being challenged to try another thing until. Yeah. The spaghetti sticks to the refrigerator. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, so how has sobriety affected your art making? So what were you doing like before you got sober and then work, did you have trouble making work again once? Oh, of course. Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting too, because the day I hit my bottom, mm-hmm. I, um, it's so vivid in my mind. I was renting studio space in the Anderson studio, which was Anderson, um, Anderson what? Um, it was like a, a theater that my friend Patrick Fox owned. Mm-hmm. And it, they he was basically squatting there with Robert Hawkins. Cool. An artist of note. Very cool. And <laughs> um, I remember like going and getting this huge I like had a plate that I had paint on whatever or something, but I had to have all of my drugs. Right. You know, and Do you um, want to name your drugs of choice? Well, at that point in time it was heroin basically heroin and marijuana, I suppose. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, so I had to have that. I had to be all set up to work. Uh huh. And I think I just like had this epiphany that this is not it. I mean, my father had died maybe four months before. So that was part of my bottom. Right. Um, and I was just like, and I lived across the street from completely sober, which I probably being a public venue, I shouldn't mention names, but it was a cool meeting. It's still the cool meeting. It's still the cool cool person meeting. Young and old. Yeah, there are definitely people of note who still attend that meeting. I mean, walking into that (laughs) meeting was like you died and went to heaven in a way. I know. The first time I went to that one, I was like, everyone is so hot and cool. This is where all, like, the cool people go. It's... Yeah. Well, for me, it was more (laughs) like, you know, one life was gone, Mm -hmm. but like everyone had already gone over to the other life. Right. Because I saw everyone that I was out there with. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is I'd lived across the street from the meeting. Yeah. So I'd look out my window and see people. Sometimes during the break, I would go and say hi to certain people. Right. It was so weird. Yeah. But the beauty of it is I knew exactly where to go when Mm -hmm. the time came. Yeah, that's amazing. Just walk across the street. And like the first qualifier was someone I'd met or known like 10 years before that, but hadn't, or seven years, whatever, and hadn't seen in that many years. The The sort of synchronicity of it was really kind of crazy. Right. But, you know, that's a beautiful thing. I didn't have to go to rehab. There were people who had talked to me all night long. And somehow, you know, I got through it. And then, yeah. yeah and, you know, early sobriety is amazing. Like, you don't have to think about your fucking life. I know. That right? pink cloud. <laughs> God, I yearn for that early right? sobriety No responsibilities. It's just except like, I need to focus on my sobriety. And that is it. Nothing. Like, just get your ass to a meeting. Yep, and yep, just And go don't to a pick up. Yep. It's really cool <laughs> it's nice it's like being a child or in the right, hospital exactly so that was amazing <laughs> and you know then when it came time to make work again I was completely confounded right right it's like yep. how do I function I've been like at least smoking pot 
mm-hmm. you know, for years mm-hmm. to in the studio, you yeah. know, to get California in the zone. Sober. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, to get in the zone. And then, of course, as my disease progressed, whatever. Right, right, um, right. But, yeah, it was really challenging. It's so hard to be create Like, as a, as a writer, it's like a thing for writers to drink a lot. And that's, like, what they write about. And I realize, like, when I look back at my work when I was drinking, like, that's basically what my work was about. Um, so... I've still been struggling kind of with getting back into into making work, i.e. writing. Um, it's hard, especially, like, because I would have, like, little rituals that I would do before I wrote, too, which involved, like, taking a ton of Adderall and, like, staying up for days on end and, like, drinking a beer, like, starting at 4 a.m. and nursing it until, like, 8 a.m. and... Yeah, and I can't write like that anymore. I haven't figured out a way to to write, basically. Well, still working on it. I, I have a good a good um, suggestion. Yes, I'd love to hear it. It's called Instagram. Oh my God! What do you mean? <laughs> well, like, and you know, it's the isolation in a way that becomes challenging, and you have to break through that wall. Yeah. And I'm not that artist. Talk about non-professional. Um, modes of working I'm not that nine to five person if I have an assistant and a studio manager I could be that nine to five person but yeah yeah we were discussing I this earlier like you know I need external a lot of times to be because of ADD yeah yeah I need larger external guidelines to push me I feel like Instagram you know? just like distracts me completely well, i'll no. be scrolling for hours well that's the thing i come to my studio i talk on the phone i text people mm-hmm. i'm on instagram I've, i stay for three days straight it's a segue yeah you yeah know, no, it kind of but, but again i have a separate space if i was at that's home important. that would never work mm-hmm. i would just be in my head all day yeah so you know coming here i have to reacclimate myself if i haven't been for a few days so i do these really intense spurts of work more and um, so I just hang out and sort of relax yeah, for like relax. a day. Yeah, it Honestly, does take a minute to get into the mindset of maybe two. making work. Yeah. And then next thing, no, and then, and then all of a sudden it I'm is so half on it. Making it, But it's honestly. the isolation that's really my challenge, you know? And I've come yeah. to enjoy that here. I love the isolation, honestly. I really... Okay, so before I got sober, I struggled immensely with the ice, like being by myself because I hated being with myself. So I would just drink alone so I wouldn't have to be alone with my thoughts. And I just like always needed to be with someone at a bar in New York. Like the bars are open until 4 a.m. And there's a reason to drink all the time. And the openings, free wine and this and that, just like alcohol bounty of it and um yeah and my part of my rock bottom I had a few but when I realized I had a problem was when I was drinking alone every single night not telling anyone about it um and that's how that that was something I struggled with but after I quit drinking I learned it was really hard I'm still learning that I love like being around myself and like I like my interests and my hobbies and I could probably like my writing again if I tried 
but I don't know. It's become easier to be with myself with sobriety, I've found. But it was very hard at first. Extremely hard. It's a process. Yeah. Um, it is. But if someone gave you an amazing opportunity with a deadline, believe me. Yeah. You would be on it. Right? That's very <laughs> true. It's so hard to get yourself motivated for, like, no reason. That's a lot of it. And I think, like, the ADD thing really is a part of that because, like you're presented with this external situation or information that you n- need to think about or rise to the occasion of. I yeah, think we yeah. get mired in our own thoughts uh-huh. so, so heavily. It's, it's hard else. to pull yourself out of that. Yeah. And yet that, that kind of reflectiveness is in the end result. Oh my God, a raccoon on the roof. Wait, look. Oh my God. Do you see that? Are you sure that's not a cat? No, it's a raccoon. I'm, I'm really blind. That's I've definitely bet. a raccoon. I've uh, never seen a cat look like that. That's insane. We just saw a raccoon on the roof in Gowanus, people. We <laughs> might add it's a very picturesque moment yeah, here in general. Yeah, it's really nice. We have a nice With the train. The G train and the R train and the F train. Yeah, that's, I think that's the F and the G up mm, there. FJ. Yeah. That's yeah. a good, good train. But, yeah, it is easier so, to So, you know, I feel you. like. The kind of rumination one does, perhaps, as an ADD-oriented oh, person. Oh, yeah. I pace actually, around and ruminate for hours. those are your ideas that you are mining from mm-hmm. when you're actually doing your work. Like, it serves you, but being able to be in a more structured situation where you can extract that. Where you that can pull and them then, out. Yeah, pull them out and also... Materialize them. But also have a kind of... Um, What's the word? Have a um, have another idea in which to you know work against or with. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you, you know. mean. Like an antithesis of an idea. Yeah, almost? yeah. You're creating. I don't know. My brain's not working. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, I'll think of it in a minute. A dialectic. Oh, yes. A you know, like you need that other information you, mm-hmm. to create a certain kind of dialectic. And then it's very, then you're like right, right. on it. And the thinking you and know? like all your thoughts are competing with each other. And but, you know, I'm really into this idea of collaboration. That's part, really? of, my evo- oh my part of my evolutionary I wish I could notion of moving forward, uh-huh. like creating new. I'm really, really involved in the idea of creating new models. That's you amazing. Know? Do you find that is it you th- you don't find it difficult to like meet someone at their level? Well, I work with people who are at the same level. What? <laughs> I wor- try to work with people who are at, right, the, who same are at the same level. I, I've that's tried collaborating. The, uh, that's what motivates it. I know. I've tried collaborating with people at my level too, and it's just one person either me or the other person it's so like one is way more into it than the other it's so hard for me to like because I used to have a podcast with my friend and it just kind of disintegrated and now we both have our own podcast but um, and and both of our podcasts are doing like so well but that was the only time I collaborated and it was very good. Unfortunately, no one will ever hear those episodes that we recorded. But it's, I've just always found it difficult just because people don't meet my expectations almost. I just have, r- I, I don't know. And I have really high expectations of myself. So I've, 
I like stand alone. I work alone. But that's yeah, amazing well, that you can. I mean, that. I think I'm a maverick, of course. Oh yeah, I know course. I'm a maverick. You are a maverick. <laughs> but but by the same token, I really want more people in my life. Uh huh. Yeah. And also, I think you know the idea you're doing a podcast that's ongoing. If you have a finite project, right. You know, maybe that project doesn't work or maybe it comes back or uh-huh. I did a thing for I did a thing here with someone. Um, I invited him to put a show together. Yeah. But we, I was very involved in it at the same time. Right. Even right. That was his. And then I, you know, asked him about a project I was doing. I'm like, this needs another aspect. Mm-hmm. Do you have any ideas? Yeah. And then his idea was really good. So I invited him to be part of creating the project for creative time very, submission. Very, very cool. I love the idea of um, like using collaborative art as an excuse to like be around people. I, because, uh, yeah, no, it's nice, and it is like the sense of community in the art world when you're col- when you're working with someone to do, you know, produce this thing, and then. Yeah, it's nice. I just re- I just remembered a time where I curated an art show, and it was so nice to be immersed in something and meet all these new people. And maybe that's why I have a podcast too. I'm lonely, and I just want to talk to people. Exactly. But <laughs> you know what? That might be true because well, I hate being alone. <laughs> I mean, I think it's about the isolation in. Being, and then interspersals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you can't I mean, be alone all the time. No, and like I still like to go out, you know. And yeah, yeah. I would. I can't. I don't want to go out every night. Mm-hmm. But I feel much better psychologically if I go out once or twice a week. Can you, you talk know? about what it looks like to go out as a sober person? I don't know. It's so easy at this point. Yeah. I'm so used to it. Uh-huh. You know. Um, although someone did say to me, it's kind of like, what do they call it? It's kind of like, I can't even remember. But it is this, you know, you're around people who are getting fucked yeah, up. Yeah, it's a superpower, I feel like. It's, it, I, maybe there is a, <laughs> a sense of um, contact high. I don't know. That's not what I'm looking for. But right, right, right. I can come home after and I can feel hungover the next day. It's just from like staying out late and, and dehydration. Dehydration is a big one. Yeah, so like I really sure. learned to drink I a lot of water. I drink so much water. Now when I go out, I used to drink club soda with mixed with stuff. And mm-hmm. now I'm just like, give me the water. Yeah, no, I've been hungover so many times since quitting drinking. Right. It's of, like, what is this? And it's like, you're staying out late, you're smoking a jewel. Oops. Yeah. Oh yeah. The jewel. <laughs> and you're like dehydrated. I mean, you, know? I, you, you do go, go out. I'm so impressed. I did not know that you were sober for so long until you approached me at an art like dinner where I was, it was like the first, it was literally my first one where I wasn't drinking and you were like this beacon of sober energy and it felt so good when you approached me about it because I've, I had no idea. I, I didn't know you were sober because you're just like so cool and normal and like, Aww. see, like, I, I feel like everyone can tell that I'm sober because I'm, I don't really, I, I don't talk as much or something or I don't laugh at people's like stupidity. Or I just really want to go home because it gets to a point where everyone's so drunk and I'm like, you're repeating yourself, you're slurring your words, I'm out. 
you know. I mean, part of it for me too is like then I'm wandering around afterwards, and I have this whole, um, this whole wheat paste project where I've taken down. I'll show you inside. Like yeah, show me. Years, uh, so there's so much here. It's ridiculous. I don't know. I take photographs and the empty streets at night, especially in summer. It's amazing. Yeah, for sure. Chinatown and Lower East Side, mm -hmm. and then I find you know stuff to tear down and. So and and that's like a gorgeous isolation. For like sure. Like that's the isolation sure. that I like treasure like mad. I love know? my walks. I um, love my my walks, you know. It's it feels like it's like your city, you know. Especially like late at night no one's on the street. For sure. You know? For sure. So that that sort of I mean certainly not in the winter but in the nicer weather that's part the of the whole thing. The energy at night has been super different too since everyone's out of the city. It's amazing. New I York reminds me of like the old days. Wow, really? But with like a European cafe kind of outdoor <laughs> yeah. feel. Do you, so do you think we're moving toward an old New York with COVID? No, it's inevitable. They'll all come back. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's... I know. You can't stay away. It's sort of really bad. <laughs> it's anti-class... It's, it's cla anti-classism or whatever. Yeah. Like you're like just like leave just them all them in leave. the hat and I want make like them stay in stay, the Hamptons in Connecticut. Stay where you are, seriously. You know, that's you where you all belong. If you can't hang like when we're in a crisis, you don't deserve to be here at all. And, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Stay in the Hamptons. I mean, I've bragged about how many of things I've been through in this city. Blackouts right? oh my gosh, and 9-11 yeah. and Sandy and yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I, I bought a, bur a shirt few years ago from Brandy Melville, um, a clothing store we both like. You're wearing a top from Brandy. I have the same one. <laughs> but it's sad. You haven't lived until you die in New York. And I was like, whoa, damn, Brandy, that's a nail hit on the head. Because for real, my like your love for the city grows stronger with all of the shit that you have to go through. Honestly, and it's like though, a little chip on your shoulder, too. Yeah. <laughs> of I mean, course. Honestly, though, I do not relish the idea of COVID isolation for a full winter. You don't revel in the idea? Relish of the idea of upcoming COVID isolation for a full oh, winter? Oh, no. Hell no. Like, I do, I not, do not want to be in want the that city. I want to be in nature. Yeah, yeah. You know? I want to be mean, able to go outdoors and... Well, so as long I'm really as worried about that. As long as honestly. people are like doing what they're doing, I think we're doing okay. But then again, but no this one's is in the city. because of outdoors. Yeah, yeah. Once, once, if there's a res if there's a resurgence, mm -hmm. and then there's not this outdoor life. I mean, restaurants can stay open with heat lamps, right? Probably yeah. through November. Yeah. You know, and then it's gonna be like forget it well, or through the end of october what do you think is going to happen with like gallery spaces how are how do you think that they'll use the space because right now they're not using it at all well some are it's appointment only right 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 yeah i mean i don't know because i think the biggest problem for you know again we're back to business um the biggest problem for galleries now is that their constituency that keeps them running has decamped and isn't mm -hmm. coming back in. Yeah. And they're all opening out in the Hamptons, out east. Yes, that you is know? something that I have so noticed. My friends have had shows out east a lot this summer. 
Right. Yeah. Well, lucky them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, lucky anyone who could be out there. Um, oh, yeah. Lucky them. I mean, you know, I, I go to Montauk. I'm my big addiction is surfing. So I didn't know that you do wear many hats. You put me in the water and um, <laughs> yeah, I'm it's like heroin. Forget I, it. That's amazing. I don't <laughs> get so out cool. for three days. You know, however long I'm out there for. I used to. Yeah, I noticed your surfboards. That I. That's really cool. I've always I always wanted to be a surfer girl, but I'm afraid of the tide and not coming out of the ocean. It. I used to love the water. We, I grew up on the Jersey Shore, and I loved going to the beach, even in the winter. Um, but recently I've just become a little baby about, I've been like more afraid, I think maybe because I cherish life more, maybe I'm just afraid of death more or something. I don't know. I have a complicated relationship with death post sobriety because one of my rock bottoms, I, I was so close to, you know, ending it and I ended up in a hospital that and now when I think about that person I don't even know her you know and I just like want to live and I want to have a legacy and yeah death is a weird thing well that's really beautiful (laughs) I have to say for me like I don't think about going out I think about killing myself right that's I mean that's good that's very good I don't know if that's good you know but you that you don't think about killing yourself no I said instead of like it's like I'm not if I'm super depressed it's not like oh I'm gonna pick up it's oh I'm just gonna end the whole situation oh yeah so you know I don't I think that's a bad you know I don't I don't know I always took suicidal ideation lightly as ideation Mm -hmm. but as I get older um Sometimes I, I feel like I'm going into territory that is worrisome to me, you know, and right. it is program related, you know, honestly, if I am not, and I've been around now, I would have, let's see, well, I have 17 plus another 16, mm-hmm. so 30 something That's years, which my contemporaries lot. have. That's amazing. You know, um, I'm still so impressed. And, but by I that. still need, you know, there are people who are like, oh, I don't really need, I still need, the quality of my life is really bad if I am not going to meetings and really? connecting. And now, you know, I was forced to finally get a sponsor after being, you know, having a really shitty program for a number of years. Right. And my mood just changes. Can I mean, Wait, can you talk about the shitty program before you... Well, you know, I would um, go to meetings and think I was the sickest person in the room yes, or like the most unrecovered most unworthy of fellowship right you know most invisible uh-huh. um had a tremendous amount of you know it's people you, were, i got sober with and you know maybe you know always snub me just sit there stewing in my resentments damn. and yeah you know no, all I, kinds of bullshit that, that, that is, yeah, is not it. about being a happy camper recovered person mm-hmm. being a spiritually connected yeah i mean so much of sobriety is is not just like not drinking it's like being a different person right without resentments and ha- being a happy camper yeah i mean and it's <laughs> challenging i but definitely 
you know, again, on top of ADD, have other, you know, psychological issues. Uh, oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I have a very low, it's called um, dysmorphia, very mm -hmm. low baseline, um, or dysthymia, sorry, sorry, dysmorphia is your body image. Yeah, wait, what's dysthymia? Dysthymia, all those disses. Yeah. I got wait, all the disses. What's dysthymia? Dysthymia. Dysthymia. It's like when you have a, um, a an exaggerated image of your body like you think you're fat you know i thought that was dysmorphia oh well that's dysmorphia then dysthymia is having a low baseline got it okay yeah. i probably have that too i don't know i it jumps around i'm so you know and then this mood cycling stuff <laughs> and but you know i was on meds forever i made important pieces about it so, but yeah and yeah. i'm and Incidentally, my Adderall piece is waiting to be figured out. Sweet. <laughs> I kept all those bottles, too. Yeah, full disclosure, um, I still take Adderall as a part of my mental treatment. I take a whole cocktail of pills every day to keep my suicidal thoughts at bay. Well, it there you go. And, like, yeah, for, I would love to be, like, prescription-free, but I, I know for me that the pills work, so I'm just going to keep taking them and I don't think it's um stunted my creativity at all I've just been lazy <laughs> and that's like me beating myself up well we're our harshest critics that's true my therapist told me to be nice to myself this week and to believe in the universe well I could <laughs> use finding a therapist that would probably help but you know on a, to a certain degree the pandemic there's so many silver linings like it really forced me back into, I mean, it didn't force me. It gave me the gift of accessibility to meetings again. Right. The ADD uh, thing and the time drunk and getting out of the house and getting to meetings. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's always been challenging for me. So right. there I had it at my fingertips. Right, right, right. And then I, I was listening to people. Too. This is what happened. And I've started to hear this incredible thread, which is obvious, but... I have a flair for not seeing the obvious. You, I see the uh -huh. complex. Yeah, yeah, um, I see the trees so, as well. And the thread was that all these people were able to have better lives because they worked the steps and they had sponsors. The steps. The and I was like, sponsor. wow, you mean maybe that could really work for me too. Like wow. part of this malaise I was in was like none of these things work for me. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't working, you know, it works the if you steps. work it. Yeah. And it's, it is, it is a commit. It's a, you know what? I mean, not to scare people off who might be thinking about Step getting sober, I but it works if it you myself. work it. That's it. It's mm -hmm. a commitment, but yeah. it's, it's all in good time. Like you can come in and only go to meetings. You're, everyone has their own process, you know, again, uh -huh. learning to be self-loving and easy on ourselves to embrace whatever the speed of our process is. The minute we start to compare and despair, that compare beat and ourselves despair up, is, you know? Yeah. It's like not anybody else's program. It's yours. Yeah, exactly. You, know? you can't compare your, your program to someone else's or your sobriety or your life, yourself. Right, and that's the same thing about being a writer, an, or artist, an artist, a creative yeah, person. Yeah, and that's it's, one of my biggest problems is comparing. Yeah, just feeling bad about myself because other people are doing better than I am. And it's, and it's you know what? I think the thing Instagram, about social media, is, exactly. Yeah.
but that's an amazing thing because if one is able to and it's hard because you you don't it's so subliminal but you need to keep remembering that it's all been polished and shiny and neutralized right. that's the nature mm-hmm. of social media no i mean it's weird there are people whose total of on instagram is to hang out their dirty laundry Right. But then you even question the <laughs> veracity of that, right? <laughs> then you like, is that a thing? Is that, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Is that just taste. like a mode in order to, you know, I attract mean, other people? I personally have two Instagrams. I have one where I just show my shiny self and like, this is what I'm doing. Support these causes. And then I have a Finsta, which is private, where I right. air my dirty laundry and just like post whatever. Which I allow I my, have one of my parents to follow for some reason because I'm insane. That's crazy. I know, right? I know. Well, that means you must have a good relationship with your yeah, parents. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, they don't, I don't, I'm not really like a crude person. I'm very modest and shy. Very shy. Uh, but yeah, Instagram is definitely, I mean, I use it for that specific purpose purpose to let people know that I'm doing super well you know when in actuality I'm just like lying in bed like procrastinating taking my Adderall so I can like live that day you know it's yeah my dependency on the pills I sometimes worry about but also they work and I'm just going to roll with it for now because they work yeah, I mean, you're under the care of a psychopharmacologist. Right, and yeah, and she's very expensive, so I know she's good. I <laughs> <laughs> um, um, love her. But, you know, as long, again, you know, as long as they're working. I mean, I was on, gosh, Prozac for so many years, or maybe the next one after it. What was the next Zoloft? one? Zoloft, yeah. I mean, That's the one I take. I was on Zoloft forever. I really like Zoloft. And then one day it stopped working. It was a combination of hormones, time right. of life. I found out I had hepatitis C that was going to my, oh my brain. God. I'm so sorry. Um, no, it goes it's away. great. It went I'm away cured. Though, right? I'm yeah. cured. You my know? brother, my late brother, had that too, and he was cured within like a year or so. No, I posted. Actually, I posted about that today. Did you? Yeah, because one of the pieces they put up in the topical cream post was entitled Alicia and Savaldi, which were the earliest, a couple of the earliest new antivirals that Mm -hmm. eradicated totally. But also the fact that it was $150,000 worth of medication that I was (laughs) able to get for free because of insurance, you know, but, but there were people out there who couldn't get it, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think that that's what that piece was about really underline you know underlining that discrepancy in our system and i don't know what year did i make that piece it's been around a while so you know i've been thinking about this stuff for a long time mm-hmm. you know as yeah. have many of us but uh-huh i forgot what we were talking about before um oh yeah step work um it, so a problem that i had have a little bit with the program is um the guilt that I sometimes feel for not doing the steps and like feeling like I'm not like being sober enough, you know, and that I just, 
I don't know. I the guilt is something I don't really need in my life. I already am like my worst critic as it is, and I just feel so pressured by you know people in the program. I don't have a sponsor, but I mean from how you're making it out, it sounds maybe I do need one. You know, I've I've never had one. I the way I see this podcast is like my little Al's little program and it's not I guess but I'm not drinking I don't know it's really hard sobriety is so objective or subjective 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 yeah everyone everyone's sobriety is different and you have to again you can't compare your sobriety to others I mean I think you know guilt and beating yourself up those are all tools that I mean if you're going to be simplistic and use disease, um, use program language, you'd say that's your disease right. talking. But it's also, for me, like a tool that I use in order to not allow myself to have the life that I want to have. Does that make sense? Like to have a happy, like fulfilled life in a way you have to do the step work well no I'm just saying using sort of guilt you know guilting myself or comparing myself or saying this is what I should be doing whereas the real motivator was is hearing how it works for other people I mean you know that you hear the miracle of it what you're saying right now makes me think that I should probably go to a meeting right now and get a sponsor because when I hear that it works for other people. I'm like, shit, I want to like get there. Right. Too. It works for everybody. Yeah. So why wouldn't it work for us? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm in the midst of like, you know, in my codependency, I stopped calling my sponsor. It was fucked up, you know, and I've seen my life kind of go, my headspace go kind of negative. Um, right. You know, even though sometimes I feel, and, and again, I was just calling her with one crisis after another. This happened with these people and this happened with these people. And I did that and I shouldn't have done that and blah, blah, blah. And at a certain point, you get really sick of listening to yourself. And you're like, this person (laughs) must be over it. Because it's so incredibly obvious there's only one thing that's going to change this shit. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and that's doing the steps. Yeah, yeah. And I'm always, you know, resistant of the, the what I'm supposed to do. And that's the problem. The supposed, supposed to is to not do. it. Right. It's not about supposed to. It's like, yo, do you want to feel better and get better? Mm-hmm. Hello. That's yeah. all it is. It's so simple. And that's what that goes back and to even, like the simple program for complicated people. Yeah. Even like stuff. what people who are afraid to get sober it really just is do you want to get better like go to honestly i could not get sober without the meetings like i tried a million times on my own like that was it wasn't gonna happen the meetings are so helpful and especially the zoom ones i love the zoom ones because everyone has to listen to you and then they clap at the end of your little like monologue and it rules (laughs) it's like a little built-in audience I'm crazy. I'm like, I'm that, but also it's super helpful. And you've, you have to listen to people because they're right in front of you and they can see you. And if you're like doing something else, it's mad rude. Also, you're not allowed to have your phones out at meetings either, which I think is good. Really? It's Zoom? I see people like looking at their phones. Really? I haven't. I, the meetings I've been to, everyone well, that's is good. like, it's like 
a contest, like who can be the most attentive. That's good. <laughs> but the Zoom meetings have been helpful. I actually convinced my dad to try Al-Anon meetings for the first time. And he didn't even know about them. And I'm just really happy that he like found those to be helpful. Al-Anon's amazing. I should probably go to one of those, too. Well, you haven't been around that long. Keep it simple. Yeah, also, about the steps, like, <laughs> you know, some sponsors don't even let their sponsees do the steps right away. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I so. know another, another issue I had with um, Alcoholics Anonymous was their um, stance on prescription drugs, um, like taking antidepressants or clonopin is like forbidden almost. Th I guess that's more of like the older, like the... Hardcore old yeah, meetings. The old timers, yeah. And I don't know, just the guilt. That I, j I don't know, maybe I'm just like, I hate being told what to do. But yeah, maybe of I, course. I mean, I, if that is what I have to do. I just should do it. If it works, it works. Um, you know, again, it's a process. It ha it, you know, it, it needs to be something that you want to do. Exactly. I think that's super important. And, you know, I think the party line is if you are under the care of a doctor, you know, they, mm -hmm. the, that taking medication is fine, but um, that you shouldn't be just self-medicating. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, using is a form of self-medicating. And, you know, you know a huge portion of the people in the rooms have these same issues right you know and right. some people are able to not be on meds I mean for me you know the side effects of antidepressants just at a certain point outweighed I the benefits I've, for me I've taken so many different ones because of the side effects and it's you know it's tough. I've been on antidepressants most of my adult life it's just been a process mm -hmm. and you know maybe I really do need them you know I mean I don't like having the ideations but I, I do see that there's other medicine for me that could work. Right. And yeah. that is in the program and probably therapy as well. Therapy, I highly recommend. It's just like, thing. oh, I can't find a therapist. I can't you afford can find a, therapist, a therapist, blah, blah, blah. You can find a therapist. I have a, I They're have so bunch hard of, to find. I have a bunch of resources. I'll send you a PDF. Okay. I send it to everyone who doesn't have a therapist. I'm such a, you need to go to therapy person. I, but I mean, I just like, it's because I like talk, because a therapist has to, it's like a sponsor. They have to listen to all your problems because they're getting paid to do it. And they honestly, they, they see your life like outside of you. And they honestly, it's, it's just the simplest thing that they see and you don't like objectivity. Yeah. And I don't know. Therapy rocks. I love I it. I mean, I went for most of my adult life, mm -hmm. but then my therapist retired and ironically oh. enough, she was a huge art collector and she retired to <laughs> pursue her art activities as an endeavor? art world maven. Oh, wow. That's kind of pretty interesting. Weird. Um, <laughs> we did do some exchanges at one point. That's cool. I would love to sell anything to my former therapist um but <laughs> other than that and then when i segued to a new person it was not the right situation yeah it's so and hard then to it find was the right therapist and then he quit again right in the middle of my perfect storm of um 
perimenopause, menopause, whatever, mm-hmm. and hep C and, and do you quit? whatever else. Yeah, I did. It was a weird, it was just a horrible yeah, situation. What so happened shady. was like, I had this friend who, you know, I listened to a lot, but this really wasn't her, her purview, but I w- it was just going, the medicine was going sideways and I was acting out in a way that wasn't okay. And she's like, ah, you don't need that. What do you need it for? And I, it kind of really unnerved me the way it was reacting with me. So I just quit cold turkey, which you should never do. I might add, this is why you're under the care of a doctor. (laughs) Right. Because I had a nervous breakdown, honestly. And this person was like, well, you already quit. You might as well keep going. Any psychopharmacologist with an ounce of knowledge would say, look, you need to get back on it Mm -hmm. and titrate gradually. People take six months to a year mm-hmm. to titrate off of particularly Lexapro. Yeah. Also, I, do you know about this brain zap thing? I was just going to say the brain zaps when I was getting off of Effexor, I almost had to go to the hospital because I thought I was dying because like, it's so difficult to get off of these antidepressants. Well, I never ever go cold Turkey because you could like, go and the brain zaps are crazy well that's what i made this piece about that kind of started a whole new body of work for me which is so interesting but it's bug zappers on the wall (laughs) with 20 years of saved psychopharmacological the bottles of the pills scattered like scatter art on the floor below them pretty literal i love it so you know that was (laughs) that was my psychopharm opus (laughs) But it was not pretty, and I was, like, in my daughter's room, like, I know, she was away at Christmas. Everyone was away. I was alone and just in the bed yeah. having a nervous breakdown for, yeah. like, three weeks. It was bad. That's, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. It was horrible, you know. It was really horrible, and that suffices it to say you need to, you know, have be under the care of a practitioner. Yeah. Right, and you sometimes know. you have to, like, go through it to get but that and then I don't know once I finally found someone again I mean I don't trust any therapist right now that was the situation he sent me to another person and she was horrendous and that was at the same time I lost my teaching job of 24 years partially because of this mental state did you pick up again during this time no no I didn't pick up but you know I mean what was going on was bad enough right she was horrendous and then after that I was like I can't deal with anybody and I just went to a straight up psycho farm and that's where I go now that's I, that's what I have now but you know she's not a talk doctor you just go in and mm-hmm. discuss your yeah. meds and that's the end yeah, of the it's story it's a 15 minute meeting and I hand over $250 in cash oh really for a 15 oh, gosh <laughs> I mean I, I love her but though. you but you but normally talk doctor is every week I have I yeah I had a really bad experience with my former therapist who I was with for four years who kind of just ghosted me last summer and yeah so I I fully understand your um non-trusting of being untrusting of therapists because they're they can fuck you over and they're really bad well you form these intense yeah uh, relationships or whatever these dependent relationships I mean I was working with this woman for over 20 years wow you know so that that was how a big dare one. she retire I know, right? how, how dare, dare she, she be major in the art world um yeah and like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she needs to coll- i mean 
her name is on Get a bunch a of those bottles. I don't know if I ever sent her the um, <laughs> sent her information about the piece, but I kind of chuckle all the time, like yeah. you know, I'm like she should own that piece. Yeah, I'm hoping that my former therapist like discovers my podcast and becomes very famous, and she'll hear about how much she ruined my life. Just kidding, <laughs> but a little bit, but classic <laughs> but yeah i guess we should wrap this up the it, we've been talking for an hour wow i know so good it's dark out now. really enjoyable i actually have lights out here I just oh wow we on. could turn the lights on and keep hang. the raccoons away oh yeah i want kind of want to see another raccoon that was crazy you know have you ever spent time in venice California. Yeah, I was gonna say with the possums. Have you ever seen those oh, possums? Yeah, they are scary they're as so scary. F. I hate their tails. I hate uh, their, their face. <laughs> everything. Yeah. They're always crawling around the garbage. Yeah, you just was, like, oh. One was on my stoop like a few months ago, and I just stood there in shock. I was like, oh, this is what happens when I'm in actual fear. I, I just am stuck. <laughs> it was crazy, um, but it, it just stared back at me, and then I was like, oh shit, that's a huge possum. Like a foot away from me anyway the raccoon was cute because it was far from us um, if it were on the, uh, this roof right now i think we'd both freak out we'd be inside with the door closed yeah but anyway joe shane thank you so very much well, thank you this has been me. incredible i'm very excited so to much fun share this with everybody um thank you and i also am so proud of you with your step work and your sobriety and your work like your artwork you have I think you have it together oh thank you you're so doing much really well. I aspire to be like where you're at and it's amazing um, I'm proud of you for getting sober that's incredible thank you and everything follows honestly all the yeah. good stuff yeah it's true gets for people Well, at, le at the very I least, it'll save your life. It'll save your life. If you're interested in living, consider getting sober. Okay. All right. That's all. Bye.